Previously on Overthinking It Recap 24. Cold brewing is an artisanal, painstaking process. I'm going rogue on this episode. Wait, what? And I've got to go get coffee, all right? I'm out of here. Ryan is gone. He left me. I'm all by myself. Wait, what's that? Uh, th- this is uh, this is Eric Frieden. Eric Frieden, who I used to watch every episode of 24 with back when it was on the air the first time. There, There is Jack and Audrey's... Uh, reunion in this episode. Yes, there's which... some sentimental forehead cuddling taking place. I know you're a romantic, so... Uh... Oh yeah, I'm I'm a big Jack and Audrey shipper, that's me. It seems like we're coming to the close of the first act, if this 24 season is also going to have a three-act structure, as right. most 24 seasons do. I do think it's interesting that like another aspect of that first act in a lot of seasons is also getting Jack back into a position of authority, which I think is what we're also seeing here. We don't have any other options. Here, Jack, take a team, because why not? That is more the, again, comic book version of moving chess pieces where, like, Doctor Doom will have a chessboard with all the members of the Fantastic Four on oh. it, <laughs> and just other supervillains. Kitty Pride often played catcher. You know, it could just phase through her. I believe you, you would often have uh, the Beast, you know, somewhere in the outfield, because you could hop it back. And for the brief time when the Juggernaut was on the X-Men, he would... Uh, wait, hold on. Someone's here. Wait, what? Ah! Eric! Eric! I have a, uh, a soy latte and a iced frappuccino, uh, frappuccino. Which would you prefer? The following takes place between 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. And I have a soy latte... And I. Oh man, I'm sorry that you're not keeping up with me, Pete. Like, I, 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 listen. I'm, I'm sorry. I also, I, I imagine when I was gone, you, you talked to yourself a lot. But this is a two man podcast now. Oh, uh, no, no. Well, there was somebody else who was here, but it's not. It, there's no time right now. There's no time to talk about Eric right now. All right. There's no time right now. Well, maybe at some point we'll come across him again. But listen, I, if you want, I can, um, I can get an interagency protocol running just to make sure that he's okay. <laughs> Protocols. Your talk of protocol and a and a and a little a little sip of this soy latte uh, has me me energized a little bit for this other episode. Welcome to the Overthinking It live real time. Well, it's not live. It's live if you're with us right now as we're recording it during this longest already longest day of my life. But it continues unabated. Uh, this real time. 24 recap analysis really we i think we really operate on a higher and deeper level than a lot of the other recaps we're we're, we're above the cloud cover like <laughs> like like the drones we're, we're mostly flying above the cloud cloud cover in stealth mode yeah 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 just as a as a brief aside one of the things uh and we we've we've uh we've both been watching game of thrones and um i know you sometimes read the av club game of thrones recaps and yeah. i sometimes read the av club game of thrones recaps even though of course since this whole day is happening at some point in the past, it's unclear exactly how many Game of Thrones episodes have passed. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the last thing that happened on Game of Thrones was. Uh, Time's a flat circle. (laughs) Time is a flat circle. But anyway, I just love how they have the one for experts, and then they have the one for newbies, and the two of them will identify what they think the theme of the episode is, which of course should not be dependent at all on whether this is for experts or for newbies, and it's totally different. Like, they come to totally different conclusions about what the episode is about. Whereas I feel like us, when we watch these these episodes of 24, we tend to zero in pretty precisely on what we feel like the episode is about, or we find things that are complementary or supplementary, and you get to see the interaction between that, which I really enjoy. Um, so jumping in there, you mentioned protocols, right? Protocols. Right. I feel like that, you know, the Downton Abbey moment, as we say, although I almost want to make a revision. I almost want to say that uh, in, in 24, in this episode of 24 in particular, all, so many of the scenes were about the same sort of thing, uh, or at least you could look, if you, you could figure out a rubric, you could figure out kind of like a... a, a, a Oh gosh! Well, a key to unlock it is what we're talking about. Some sort of piece of information, a context, then you could put it up against every scene. Yeah. And this an, scene over, an override code, if you will. Indeed, indeed. If once you break the partition, right, and you find the secret data, you go against, and you see how the scenes differ from each other. You could define the theme of the scene, the, down, the yeah. theme of the episode, the Downton Abbey moment of the episode, differently based on which one of the instances of it you see as kind of the dominant or most important one. Uh, yeah. If not dominant, because dominant. 
dominance is a weird word to use in 24 because there's a tension between the things that happen that are actually like machismatic in terms of the things that are that are powerful and there's a dominance there but there's also a dominance in kind of trust and tenderness that runs through a lot of the show uh, and this episode also in particular. Weird moments of tenderness, unexpected moments of tenderness. Um, uh, but at any rate, I want to ask you, Ryan, what was your big, what was your moments that brought you into uh, your interpretation of this really great episode of 24? I think there's, I think there's a few, um, but I think that, um, I mean, I think one was um, that, and, and I, I guess, um, I mean, the, there was, there was several, but I think that maybe the one I will start with because, um, it, it obviously crept into, um, how I'm talking, um, is when the prime minister, um, says to the general, um, I can't believe, um, I, let's see if I can find this. Uh, it's something to the fact of, I can't believe you're hiding behind, uh, protocols. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that, um, and that that this is about you know wanting to um, you know hand over certain amounts of control, like bringing in um, intergovernmental coordination to respond to this crisis. Um, and the general says, "Well, there are protocols in place." Um, and, he says, and, "There are there are sensitive. The protocols are sensitive." That right. was the one. That was my moment too. That oh, was that's that really conversation was my moment too because he says those are the sense the protocols are sensitive, uh, and I felt like. Um, I could, as I watched every ep- scene of the episode, I could put those words in the mouths of so many characters, right? Like Margot Al-Harazi is talking to her son. Her son's like, you shouldn't have made Simone watch Navid get killed. Those protocols are sensitive. And then she slaps him and she says, my protocols are sensitive, right? right. Like, um, right. but yeah, but anyway, continue about, about Stephen Fry. There's like this sort of, there's the interiority of the, of the, or the interior, not the interiority, but the interior of the protocols, the sensitivity that's within these these protocols or the a protocol could be an emotional thing. It could be a process oriented thing. It could be a mission. It could be a conversation, a memory. There are all sorts of different kinds of things that could be identified as these sensitive protocols throughout the episode. Yes. And, but you see it from the perspective of the Stephen Fry character as the prime minister. Could you go on a little bit about that side of it, the exterior of these? Protocols? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I guess it's, I mean, and that's interesting because I feel like then that leads to a proto or a protocol, a a, um, a a parallel with actually the scene between um, between Mark and Jack, um, and it's them kind of talking about um, the conversation that Jack and Audrey had uh, in the previous episode, and and so I, I and I think that for whatever reason, maybe I I fixated on um, or I noticed. Um, the um don't apologize for it it's really important what you're about to say because i think i know what you're about to say and i think uh, I it's mean, totally legit so go for well, it oh no i don't know if i was uh, apologizing okay. for it um oh, okay. but it's uh it, it or just um if i apologize for anything it's it's in the jumping around but that is kind of again that is our our primary methodology well, it's, uh, ryan honestly it's good it's good to have you back i know there was the person that we don't have time to talk about right now who was here before uh but i it's good to have you back it's it's definitely a comfortable kind of rhythm and i love this soy latte too you know that hey. they well, that's the thing because I, you wouldn't be saying this if I hadn't gotten the the um, the, the soy latte. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's it's instrumental. I'm just saying that like like inside our heads there are very sensitive um, protocols yeah. with with respect to how we respond to um yeah. uh, to to caffeine. If, so, if this was season four of Twenty Four, then uh, then Chloe there would have been a scene where Chloe brought Edgar coffee and got the order wrong, and he's like, my coffee order is very sensitive protocol. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Chloe. <laughs> Come on, Chloe. Get your act together. Yeah, 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 <laughs> anyway, yeah exactly. Continue, continue. Um, so, so I th- and I, I may have lost my train of thought a little bit, but I'll try to reconnect uh, the thread. Is that um, I think that there is a parallel. So at this exterior level, um, there is, you know, I guess I think that um, what I'm trying to think through is is what a protocol is in this. Um, in this context, and because because um, protocols and running protocols um, is um, is something that we hear a lot in the in the twenty four lexicon. It's actually one of the um, buzzwords, and we it's come up. A few, I, I feel like it's come up a few times uh, this season already, but we haven't fixated on it yet. Um, and so, I think there's one discussion about the protocols and what protocols are that I think we'll um, return to. Um, but then I think that this. I, I think that so you know if the the state the line that that stuck out is um, you know I can't believe you're hiding um, behind protocols 
Um, I think that that how, why I see that as being a parallel, um, you know, that in the same way when Mark goes to to Jack, he says um, he says something to the effect of, well, well, he says like, what did you what did you talk about? Um, and there's a few other things in that interaction that are also interesting, but that that there is a desire to. I, I think that in some ways part of what protocols do in this context is you know that a, a protocol in um in this kind of bureaucratic context is a set of it's almost like a I mean I understand it as a almost a the bureaucratic um equivalent of a computer program right that that it is a set of um of of steps that you do um to in response to a you know a someone in charge um, decides that we are in this kind of a situation um, and, and kind of sets this in motion that then tells everyone else how to behave in that situation. Um, and that, um, and that, that those it's, it's almost like a, you know, it's, it's an organizational choreography uh, or, or something like that. And, and I think that, and as you, you said, Pete, that, you know, there are protocols within, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, within relationships, right? And that, you know, um, uh, in the previous episode, Jack and Audrey initiated the Eskimo kisses protocol, um, <laughs> right? And uh, and and uh, and you know, and and it's interesting because it's like you know when um, and that is in some ways whether or not they, you know, I don't remember from previous seasons whether or not they, they you know, Eskimo kisses were, were, were their thing, but it's a, you know, there's a certain amount of, um, you know, in that scene, um, they, uh, th- there was a lot that, you know, that wasn't said, right. It wasn't just that they talked and they, 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 they you know, said, hi, this is that there was a lot, um, you know, of, of, you know, emotional you know of who does what in this relationship of of refeeling these um the the these roles uh, these roles within the relationship and i think that um i, I and and i think that this is this is important because you know that knowing protocols i guess is you know it kind of knowing what happens within these pro- protocols on the one hand you know this there there's a lot of a Authority, I, I guess, um, bound up in the bureaucratic sense, bound up with this because, in some ways, you follow when you follow the pr- protocol, you do what you are supposed to do, um, and so I think that um, having access to these protocols and either participating in them or um, or just knowing what they are um, is 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 um, allowing access into a certain kind of um, of, of intimacy of what you know who is doing what um and and why and so i think that because i think the flip side of um of 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 authority of you know if, if authority um is associated with a kind of you know compliance with a role without kind of questioning why are we doing this and i think that the the so this this other kind of Thing that is coming up in this episode that I think is a another side of the protocol coin is um, is is second guessing right and I think that that was another if if I didn't go with this uh, the the protocols um, line I would have gone with the um, other uh, line in the scene uh, between um, Margot and uh, brother which it says you know when you are second guessing your sister you're second guessing me um, and so I think that there's these there's there's a layer actually kind of a, a a few nested themes going on about kind of interiority and exteriority with resp- regard yeah. to kind of the scripts or protocols and then and then um how, I mean you want me to jump in right here? Yeah yeah jump okay, in. Yeah. And then I was so, just going to say and then how that um relates to um people's willingness to go along with someone else, right? Yeah. This kind of interpersonal authority that is bound up in these protocols, yeah. right? And so this kind of access um, and exclusion, and then how that relates to to do getting people to do what you want them to do or not, right? And that's the Stephen Fry side of it, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah exactly. So exactly. It's worth now to go through a bunch of different things that you brought up. First, uh, 
Audrey and Jack are not really known for Eskimo kisses. Audrey and Jack don't really touch all that often. Most of their conversations happen across a room, uh, and there's usually some sort of reason why they can't be together. They're kind of star-crossed, right? She's married, or he's, you know, in jail, or whatever, and they can't be together. So He's in a coma, or... Yeah, so, like, it's exactly. So, like, last last episode, when it was all about kind of, like, taking responsibility on yourself for things, their physical touching was, like, very intense relative to how their relationship right. is. This episode, not so much. Anyway... Uh, the thing that I wanted, that I thought you were going to say, and I apologize for putting uh, thoughts in your head, which I can't do. Uh, yeah, I'm I not have my protocols. Peter. Yeah, protocols was uh, that when Jack describes his conversation to Audrey to Mark, and then later when Mark describes his conversation with Jack to Audrey, they both hide very important information. Yes, like they both lie about what happened, and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. and in that sense, I felt like. There, you know, you're going through different ways that people give or rescind access to these parts of themselves, right? Or now, and so the other side of it is when you're talking about protocols, it's worth noting that in the conversation between the general and Stephen Fry, they're not talking. The word protocol means two different things, because right. when Stephen Fry says you're hiding behind protocol, he's saying that the general is hiding behind the policy of not giving the codes to the drones to foreign diplomats or leaders without authorization, right? right? Uh, so that's one protocol. But the, the general is talking about the protocols that make the drones work, right? Mm -hmm. So there are there's protocols in a sense of like barriers yes, and, yes, yes, and yes. bureaucratic structures, but there's also protocols in terms of like automated or semi-automated processes, things that have to happen. That's one of the ways protocol is used in 24 sometimes is like yeah. this is something that has to happen. We have to take the prisoner into this room and then we have to cuff them to the table and then we have to send a, an email over to division like or whatever, right? There's protocols that you have to follow and these right. things are going to happen. Sometimes it's like, oh, this person is preventing me from doing the thing that I need to do, but sometimes Sometimes it's like there's an inevitability to it. And I yeah. think that a lot of the interior protocols and, and the, what the scene between Margot and – is his name Ian? I keep forgetting what that dude's – I want to call him Enrique Iglesias, so that's probably what I'm going to call him. So when Catelyn Stark and Enrique Iglesias were talking, uh, does he not look like Enrique Iglesias? Yeah, he does. He a does, little bit. Un, po un poquito. Uh, so when Catelyn Stark <laughs> is talking to Enrique Iglesias, um, what he's indicating to her is that – Simone's emotional relationship with Navid is going to produce results that are like sort of predictable results, almost like algorithmic results, right? That we don't necessarily have the power to change. Like we don't necessarily have the power to change how Simone is going to react to what happens. He's not he's not suggesting that people be traitors. He well, he don't think he doubts Simone's loyalty. He just understands that people have ways that they behave and relate to things emotionally. Mm -hmm. yeah, he understands exactly. how to control people, right? Because he watches his yes. mom and stuff. Um, and probably yes. maybe he'll re reveal to be involved in a bigger scheme, which we can talk about later. Uh, if he understands how people can be manipulated and controlled. Yes. And then what the mother reveals is like the thing that you think for me is. This like sort of negotiable. You think it's one. You think it's one way, but you want it to be one way, but it's the other way, right? Like you think that you can, that that Simone's emotional uh, emotional protocols are not negotiable, and therefore we need to adapt because we are the flexible ones. My emotional protocols are not negotiable. Right. The slap, right? Not just the slap, but the just the way. And I felt like this was really communicated in the character. The way that Margot Alharazi communicated to Simone later that she had to kill Navid's uh, sister and chai and, and yeah. niece, right? Like yeah. you have to kill them. And it just seemed like a desperate thing that she was doing to sort of reclaim a sense of power in a situation that was kind of out of hand. There was really no reason. You know, it, it jeopardizes the plan to leave a bunch of bodies lying around, right? Like, totally. there's no, there's no, the real reason to do it is because it's, you know, she have to do things by her protocol. So it's sort of like, by killing Navid, there were certain protocols in Simone that were triggered, and we saw what happened with those protocols in the bus that hit them in this episode. And then again, by questioning uh, Margot, we see certain protocols in her emotional life that also get tripped and triggered and happen, right? Yeah. And it's it's interesting to see who can, like, have continence with their internal protocols. Like, Jack and, and Mark are very masculine in this episode in, in how they relate to each other, and they sort of, like, withhold the emotional truth from the other person. Right. Um, whereas right. Hell and Heller, you know, is kind of demanding left and right that people give up their secrets. Right. Like uh, and uses his sort of presidential language to sort of demand to exert his authority. Right. Like, you know, Jack wants it. Jack needs it. Jack gets it. Right. Yeah. Like, I, yeah I wrote that down as well. Yeah, <laughs> what do yeah, you yeah. think about that? What do you think about that whole uh, the, the, the president's like campaigny kind of way of talking? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think it's um, there. I, I think that there's a fewer. I mean, I guess you know another way to think about protocols is um, as kind of you know that is that it, it kind of saves like you know kind of ram right basically cognitive ram yeah. um and that 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 um that you don't have to f- always figure out from you know totally um a blank slate what to do in a situation and so that in some ways by you know in some ways uh, another theme that came back up in this episode um is you know that uh or in that first scene um the president uh repeats himself right he says you know in general let's start coordinating with the RAF twice um and so once again his um alzheimers comes up and um ultimately this is part of what is leading um the prime minister to start second guessing um you know the president's judgment um and to ultimately um you know basically play babysit the operation and interfere in it um and so i think that part of that i mean i don't know one way to possibly interpret this is and you and we saw this earlier um of when he kind of used the metaphor of um his kind of stump speech campaign in ohio and uh as as evidence of why he should go before the hostile um parliament that there are these kind of um, scripts that are, and you know that there is that the president seems to be, um, whether it's because of the stress or it's because of the mental condition, kind of relying on on kind of protocols that may or may not be as well suited to um, the um, to to the evolving uh, context. Um, and I mean, again, that's kind of similar to what we're seeing with um, with Margot in this episode uh, as well. And I think that um, you know the brother, I guess it's is it Ian, um, uh, or you know, I guess and you know Enrique. Ian Enrique uh, Alharaze Glacius um, is um, is is you know you you point out is kind of has almost a more flexible um, you know or a, a potential uh, to 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 kind of operate in a more flexible way and we actually see that you know I noticed a, a similar kind of more f- uh, more flexible set of protocols um, with the um the the prime minister's aide or chief of staff character which i think the character's name is caroline folds um who i think we we see her um you know appearing more and more in this in the last i think she first makes her first really kind of noticeable appearance in the last episode or uh, she's told to do something and then um and then and then it has her first really kind of the, her, her, the bulk of her speaking lines in, in this episode and she sort of says um, when I, um, you know, at one point she says um, in order to kind of convince the president or the sorry the prime minister to um, to to shadow the um, the the Jack Bauer operation she says you know forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn um, and and I think that that phrasing of like sort of saying, well, you know, I don't want to be second guessing your authority, Mr. Prime Minister, but you know, let me just humbly suggest this thing. And then of course, like the prime minister immediately goes along with it. Um, and that that kind of ability to kind of set the cognitive agenda for the, the prime minister, like raises a flag, right? This kind yeah. of attempt to um, anyone in this universe who is cutting off kind of you know it, who is who's basically ad- obtaining authority by by like f- through framing um should be flagged um <laughs> yeah, as, and, and as just, a potential mole i think we really i mean our commenters who are already commenting in real time <laughs> on these real-time recaps i mean i don't even know it's just coming back and forth so fast um about about maybe like 20 minutes ago we got a comment on the website from uh jamas Right or Jamis, I don't know yeah. how to pronounce his name. He has a picture of a rabbit, or she has a picture of a rabbit. And he or she noted insightfully that Miranda Rayson, the actress who plays Carolyn Foles, right, is is in the show Spooks, which is known in the United States. Well, that's that sounds racist. Yeah, exactly. Well, good thing they renamed it for the American markets as MI5, right? Which, which is, is like probably tw- racist somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so she's in the Twenty Four of Britain, right? Yeah. And so he points out, or she points out that. Um, that she'll probably play a bigger role 
uh, and that she might be the mole, right? So it's like, oh, and this yeah. also is a, is a point. Um, twenty four loves metacasting. Yes. Uh, twenty four definitely. I mean, the the classic classic twenty four metacasting is. Uh, I'm trying to see if I remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Was it Robert? Uh, gosh, I don't know. So in the first season of twenty four, the guy the guy who plays. Um, is it Robert? The name Robert Graves is kicking up into my mind. I don't know if that's correct, uh, or if that's the name of the actor, or that's the name of the of the thing. But the guy who the guy who plays uh, um, uh, one of the guys who's who's held up in season one as the potential mole for like a really long time, and oh. then turns out to not be the mole, right? right. Uh, and that guy turns out to be. He's played by the actor who plays the Secret Service agent, who turns out to be the mole in Air Force One. Right, and it's right. like, and he's like really, he's really. People are going to recognize him as kind of being shady looking. Um, let's see. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm mistaking the name entirely. Um, I feel terrible about this. So, but at any rate, I don't want to delay this anymore. But just this idea no, the, that the clock keeps ticking forward. We don't, we don't have time to get the actor's name right. But we, uh, we'll leave it to our diligent um, <laughs> commenters to comment and and you know to basically be our Edgars and Chloes uh, while we're while we're running point uh, out here uh, uh, above the above the above the clouds. He had a glorious um, death, by the way. That character had such a glorious death. Do you remember that character? Uh, it's it's foggy. Um, yeah, he died because he suffered from radiation poisoning when he discovered a place where people had been preparing like weaponized nuclear materials. Right, and and yes. he was gradually yes, yes, declining. Yes, 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 and rather than go out like a chump, he stowed away on an airplane that Kiefer Sutherland was flying on a suicide mission into the yes. Mojave Desert. Right, um, or maybe a different desert. I think it was the Mojave, and okay, like okay, okay. and like jacked the plane from Jack. Right, like I mean, not by force. Jack agreed to it, and like his like hey i'm dying of radiation poisoning let me go yes. on the suicide mission yes actually make- that yeah. was you know when you said a i um you know a glorious death that yeah. was the one i thought of and yeah. then i realized that we were talking about the same person yeah I'm, I'm totally gonna find out what this guy's name is he was in a lot more than two episodes imdb jesus christ come on people come on um anyway i'll keep i'll keep looking. hey i have four oranges here uh i went to the crisper uh very very briefly um yeah, right I mean, I would, uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd love, I'd love, let's, let's, do you want to split one and just kind of part and, 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 and spread them out? Yeah, um, sure. Let me, let me, I'm going to get this orange open. Cause like you- all of my, all of my snacking protocols, uh, during the, <laughs> you know, during the day are, are solo protocols. So I, I'm, I'm kind of, we're just kind of on the fly right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had my cashews earlier and they were all right. And we, of course we had our Chipotle and well, you had your Chipotle and I had my steak tips. Um, but you know we gotta. We're working hard. There's something about sitting in a chair and like having this conversation with you at this wonderfully ornate oaken table that we have here, uh, which is ridiculous. I don't know how I managed to get this thing off Craigslist. Um, it was one of a late. It was a late night thing. But anyway, um, you know, I, when I'm sitting a lot, I feel like I want to eat more, which is probably why I'm a little overweight because I sit a lot and because we podcast a lot and I want to eat like I love to eat Chinese food. Ooh, maybe I'll order Chinese food later. That'd be nuts. Anyway, okay, I got the peel off the orange. How do you take a peel off an orange, Ryan? Um I will as as you can see, I'm um uh well here here pass it over here. Okay, here you go. I got All about right, half so off. I like to just kind of like bite into it just yes. a little bit. Uh, uh. And then, uh, and then, kind of get it. So I- yeah. I'll do it since it has my drool all over it. All now. Right, no so um, I guess I mean you know in some ways on this theme. And so I agree that um, Jamas is I maybe you know Jamas kind of like um, like Miranda Raison's character set my cognitive agenda. You know, kind of very <laughs> very much primed me to look for this. Yeah. Um, and and you know and it made me that kind of confirmed this potential theory. And then we saw this kind of the other person that we saw or another person that we saw using this kind of um, you know preemptive second guessing, like you know basically you know controlling someone by cutting off options or by kind of um uh controlling this uh controlling a you know either relying on a protocol or or preempting a protocol um was navarro and is when when um the um 
Oh, oh, oh. And uh, the names, I think it was Jordan. When Jordan sort of discovers this anomaly in the files related to um, Kate's husband, um, he says something to the effect of, and maybe you, you um, took, this, uh, took this down, but um, something along the line of, um, you know, we don't, we don't have time for this right now or something like that. Um, and uh and it wasn't but it's not we don't have time for that right now um it's it's something um more specific to like you know we are we are running a field operation um so get back to this later and it was it was just a way that um um and and, you know what i wrote down was you know uh, was this Navarro that um, that that um, messed with uh, messed with this feels like it right and then it's revealed the reveal at the end of the um, dream ballet in this episode is that he is a mole and he's talking to someone about this right and and, and it, it just felt to me I don't know if you picked it up at that moment as well but it felt that like, again one of these telltale signs of um, you know of of um, you know of 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 you know short shortcutting um you know space for um for debate or something like that and and it, it just felt um like a telltale sign of the a person you know rushing you know like trying to divert from um a a an alternative it is, discovery it is interesting how so many things happen in a hurry in 24 and yet when something happens in an artificial hurry you immediately recognize it. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, they're so good at highlighting these sorts of things. I think a lot of it is is all of the interwoven parallelisms that, and parallels that are happening between all the different plots all the time. And the characters are often focused on sort of similar things. And it really brings out the differences between what's going on. You know, and like yeah. – um, and, and I think it is. It even – you can tell the difference between – Somebody going fast because they have to. Somebody going fast because the story requires them to go fast, so it's kind of silly that they're going so fast, but whatever, it's fine. And then somebody, like, artificially rushing things along, right, because they want to have a um – it's also a tribute to the acting in the show, which – and, of course, Benjamin Bratt, uh, a solid actor from Miss Congeniality, which is spectacular. Uh, But – and he's tasked with this idea of, like – I mean, I sort of believed him the first time because I sort of – I was suspicious of that kid the whole time. Right, um, and I also sort of, I also sort of thought that Benjamin Bratt was kind of like a visitor, like he's kind of like, oh, they let this Hollywood guy be on the show, right? I'm sure, of, the, of course, he's done tons of TV, but it's like, you know, oh, like this guy, you know, like I think he was even on NYPD Blue at one point or New York Undercover or something, but um, but oh, like they let him be on 24, like he's going to be oblivious to everything that's happening because this actor is like totally out of left field, right? But no, actually, he operates pretty pretty cannily in terms of communicating 24 related information to the other people yeah, who are in there. right it's more like a say, sense that in fact there's like a lot more kind of you know that, that he's there because um he has the the chops to do what it needs to be done right <laughs> in some ways that that you know he's um you know we may see a few more twists and turns from his role um that well, you know, right? Because like the mole requires essentially, you know, it requires meta acting, right? That the, they're, you know, he's he is um, Navarro is is playing the, you know, his Navarro role, or you know, Benjamin Bratt is playing kind of two characters, and so that kind of is, um, yeah, it's it's great, it's and, and it's well acted. So he's brought in not, you know, his Hollywoodness or his, you know, kind of relative um, experience is not. Um, here kind of a, a sign of just being an outsider, but it's in fact, he is the, um, you know, the, the, the tactical expert as a matter of fact, right? And, and, and so it's less of a meta casty thing and more of a, um, of, of building, building the team that you need um, from the perspective of the, the people who are casting this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I guess, um, I mean, there's a couple of directions to take it. Did you yeah, have yeah. a direction that you wanted? No, to No, no, I was, I was going. To, uh, that's exactly what I was um, going to say as well. Is that I think that we could either go um, <laughs> deeper into Mole Town, um, uh, into, <laughs> into uh, Navarro Mole Town, um, uh, or and 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 see kind of what else the train is there, and then I think. There's also um, there's a lot more episode left to talk about. There's a lot more episode, right? I think the other kind of just in 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 mapping out the other big scenes that um, relate. I mean, there's the the sets of scenes, uh, the the thread relating to um, Kate and Jack's mission, 
and various yes, you elements want to talk, of you that. Want to talk about that their relationship with each other in this episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then there's also the thread of of Harazi Town, right? Um, and what's yeah. going on in 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 Harazi Town. And I think those are the two other um, big threads that we've um, not touched on a lot. So, and what strikes you based on what we've kind of been talking about thematically? Um, where would uh, where would you like to go? So okay, so we've we've talked, we've seen. Hey, can I have another uh, piece of orange? Actually, just another um, slice before you jump yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Awesome, great, thanks. Yeah. Um, so so and, and another just a, another brief thing to add to the list is uh, when Mark talks to the Russians. Yes, right? yes, Baron von Mustache. <laughs> Baron von Mustache. <laughs> so if you if you want to look across the episode for kind of a taxonomy of different ways of dealing with secret sensitive things. Uh, right? Like, there's this idea of the president saying, no, you have to give it to him, right? Which is, like, my impression of him as well. No, you gotta give it to him. Give Jack what he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of a, there's a, a lot of a John Wayne, right? There's yeah, kind of, yeah. uh, there's totally a John Wayne slash, and a little bit of like, a, almost like a Jack Nicholson-y kind of thing. Exactly. Right? So there's this idea of, like, no, like, we're gonna use overruled authority to pass it along. Or, like, no, we're gonna, like, uh, we're gonna lie to each other about it. We're gonna hold it close to our fist. Mm-hmm. Or, no, like, I'm gonna strike you you know and that's going to be the way that we we determine these things right then there's the way of like when mark says can we meet about this privately which yeah, is just face such to a face. that is the idea that that lot that line was like legitimately surprising you know and it's like let's you know it's going to be fun the, the casual way that he said like maybe this isn't something that we need to worry about or whatever it is right like we'll work it out we'll talk about it we'll work it out it's like you're going to talk it out with baron von mustache like really <laughs> and said oh yeah we'll meet in we'll meet in private right this idea yeah. we need to talk about this later. We can't talk about this now. It's another sort of courtesy. That's a protocol, right? It's like, oh, yeah. let's take it offline, right? Like yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a big. I'll protocol. have my people reach out to you. <laughs> exactly. Oh well, you know, the president's really busy right now. Like those are all protocols, right? Yeah, now yeah, yeah. the interesting thing about Jack and, um, and and Kate is that Jack tells Kate everything. Yes, and, and he's the, this is the pretty much the only episode. I think it's the only version of these of these sort of protocols where both people involved in it are kind of looking each other straight in the eye and talking with honesty about what's actually happening underneath all of the sort of constructions yes. right and so and Jack Jack tells Kate you know where he's from like, where, what he's been what he's been doing how about that great line of like I'm doing this one's for me I'm doing this one for me yeah right yeah, like yeah. how great is that right like this idea that like Jack is just busting child trafficking rings just because like he he's i want one for me i did a bunch for them you know like now i'm doing this for me and it, it's just it's so personal and yeah. i think that that's then when we were talking about earlier um when we talk about the things that are within people that are kind of semi-automated protocols are often emotional chains of events that you can't quite control once they're set in motion thus they're so popular in drama um and so in this case uh there's you know and the protection that is built around these protocols is is an emotional protection or mm-hmm. a or sort of like discursive protection against the exposure of the emotional self uh, that's what we see in Jack and Mark, and that's what we see in Margot hitting uh, Enrique Iglesias, and that's what we see in like a bunch of other cases. And the, and the and the president using very kind of like you know theatrical language to make people do difficult things that they don't want to do. Um, but in this case, Jack really opens up to Kate and and gives her and us a really sincere view at how he's feeling and thinking about the situation, right? And that's another way that you can deal with these sorts of internal. Uh, processes, these sort of chains of events, these inexorabilities. I would almost describe them as, as like, as inexorabilities and inhibitances, right? It's like there's an inhibiting side and then there's an inexorable side. And can the inhibiting side keep up with the inexorable side? Yeah. And when you try to cut through one of them, right, you can cut through something that's just inhibiting you, but you can't cut through something that's inexorable because it's going to go entirely out of control, which is what happens in this sort of culminating act of this, of this episode. But yeah, but, and like, and I love how Kate, Kate's response to Jack Wright is like, you know, just make it count. Yeah, right? exactly. And he's like, he's basically, by saying, I'm going to put you unconscious with this drug, it's it's much more than, I need you to trust me. It's, I'm going to make you totally vulnerable. Like, yeah. I've made you vulnerable. I've made myself vulnerable in this conversation to you. We're going to, because this is 24, we are ratcheting up the vulnerability level to the max by drugging you unconscious and putting you in the trunk of a car and steering you into a crime boss's lair right well, and like, and taking her black jacket off yeah oh yeah that's right she's right been it was really 
really striking that yeah. like what like one of the things and it, it it you know that happens in kind of um you know that at their closest in the time they're um you know by working together they then immediately like tear themselves apart and 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 so that and we talked we talked about this um a few hours ago um where that they you know they were weirdly when they were apart and kind of moving in parallel they um visually looked very similar they were both both wearing black jackets and had their um blonde hair um but now you know in preparing to go into this operation she takes her black jacket off and so during the whole scene in rask's um warehouse um his his converted loft space um his with with exposed brick and uh and industrial finishings and industrial torture set um uh uh that that she's in, in in a white shirt then um and 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 I think mm-hmm. that that kind of and she's you know in a different site she's in a you know a different part of the building a different room and then so so that you know even though they're now explicitly working together there you you feel that um separation this kind of coming together and separation yeah. um and 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 it's just the the visual language of that I found to be really striking yeah. so. Here's a here's a interesting thing for you. So who usually runs around alone around terrorists in a white shirt? Um I don't know. Kim Bauer. Yes, yeah, yeah you're right. They, yeah, so you're right. if you think about Kim Bauer uh Kim Bauer, what with the cougars and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, was sort yeah. of like I'm looking at pictures of it now. Uh, obviously, there are lots of pictures of this in the internet because the whole the whole purpose of this arc is to have her run around in a tight fitting shirt for long periods of time, uh, intermittent throughout the show. But um, in that hmm. that particular that this to me, just at hearing you talk about it, hearing about Jack taking off Kate's black jacket to reveal her tight fitting white shirt underneath, he dejacked her. He kimmed her basically. Yeah. He turned her from a from Jack Bauer to Kim Bauer, and he put her from a Jack Bauer situation into a Kim Bauer situation. Yeah. Um, now, of course, you could speak more broadly to how like Jack and Kim are archetypes of the masculine and feminine in certain ways, but I think it's much more specific in this show that you know Kim has a particular sort of tools set of tools at her disposal when dealing with problems. The sort of like unlikely and inopportune accidental killing, which is sort of what right. happens in this episode, is a little bit more her style than Jack's style. Uh, but also just like sort of being yelled at and being scared. It is a little bit, you know. Uh, but I think that, I mean, in the end, I think that's interesting because that there is a long period of this episode where she is in, where, where Kate is kimmed. But then she also, rather than, you know, waiting to be rescued either by, by sniper uh, fire um, or by Jack or by, um, you know, uh, by, by the British uh, Secret Service, by um, MI5, um, you know, she like basically swings um, and does a – like she does this like swinging pelvic grab um, and, and then this like acrobatic um, backstab, right? That yeah. it's in fact very – there's a kind of – you know, ju- like she actually kind of judos the guy once there's an opening – she um she really kind of rejacks. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a Jack Bauer solution to a Kim Bauer problem. Exactly. I think yes. the knife is really what makes the difference. The knife is what remasculinizes her in the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She exactly. penetrates him, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't I mean, want to well, get too hanging from a chain. Yeah. Uh, uh, and 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 stabs him with a knife. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, that is interesting. I mean, I, I it'll be interesting to see how that affects her in future episodes, though. Of course, in twenty four, and I noted this about the president too. It's important to remember that sometimes characters change entirely from from episode to episode. Yes, and that's okay because that's kind of the nature of the beast as the as the acts of the show. Well, look, I mean, again, we're experiencing this in real in real time. I mean, hour when when you you're exposed to that kind of stress hour to hour, you change uh, and and you have arcs because we have. Because no one has just one protocol, and so that as situations change, you know, I I have my go get coffee protocol. I exercise it, but now I'm back on my my um an analysis protocol. But who knows what protocols I'll have to run? So you know, an hour from now, two hours from now, four hours from now, who knows? I mean, who knows what will happen when Matt comes back with the uh, with the cold brew? Right. Well, well, if that ever happens, but you know, who knows what's going to happen? That's a good point. You think um, he's? Wait, do you think he's a mole? Do you think? Do you think? <laughs> Do you think Matt's a mole? Do you think Matt is trying to de- do I think that Matt is trying to deny us coffee? No, of course not. Matt loves coffee and he loves giving people coffee. Yeah, but then why would he choose? Think about it, Pete. He just he just came right out and suggested cold brew coffee. There are so many other kinds of coffee. You know what people in 24 never do is 
cast dispersions on other people being moles. Isn't that interesting? It never like, happens. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're, you were like <laughs> reflecting that this is a very un twenty four yeah. <laughs> conversation. It's never like, hey, there's a traitor among us. Do you think it might be Edgar? You know, it's like there's not really. Even when I'm sure it's happened a few times, but it does not happen a lot, and it is rarely important. Uh, people just sort of go along, continuing to do their jobs until it's revealed to everybody who the mole has been the whole time. Uh, and then it's like, oh man, what a shame. I guess part of it is that it has to be a surprise, right? Uh, and it's not it's not about like a Cassandra complex people starting being like, can't you tell that Aisha Tyler is not doing what she's supposed to be doing in the season? Um, but yeah, so no, I just spoiled I, I just spoiled our read. I mean, look, but like, like we're, this is happening in real time, so I just don't know. I don't know what's. I mean, I'm just I don't know. <sighs> it's okay. Look. We have protocols that we have to follow. We have to continue yeah. doing the episode, and we have about 15 minutes left in the episode. All right. So, I, I understand. And, and then the next episode will begin immediately afterward, all right? Yeah. Because uh, that's how this goes. Okay. So I wanted to, so we would talk, to talk a little bit more about protocols. Um, I, I, it's interesting to think about uh, – so we, we, I talked at the beginning of the episode – of this episode about how there's a flattening across a lot of the different 24 plots relative to something like Downton Abbey or Game of Thrones, much more Mad Men, much more Mad Men breaking bad than, than really uh, Game of Thrones uh, and a lot of Downton Abbey where there's, where I feel like there's sort of one scene that explains everything. And then other scenes are kind of like variations on a theme. A lot of the time Uh, in, 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 in uh, 24, it's like, Okay, well, is this the scene that explains what's going on, or is this the scene? Which one of the protocols is like the Ur protocol that informs right. the other protocols in the scene? And um, there's a temptation to say that it's Simone, but I, I really think that it's uh, well, one. Not I don't really think. I thought first. I thought that the drone protocols were the ones that informed everybody, everything else. But I'm wondering what it's like if you think about the episode as uh, as the the bank account. Right, the protocols, the unknown protocols at the bank, right, the hidden protocols at right, the bank, right, are, right, and and the the idea that this is a thing that's going to come up on the screen, and all we have to do is push the continue button, and and those protocols will be exposed, and all of the consequences of those protocols being exposed will come to pass, which for us are desirable, for some people are undesirable, and I'm sure will trigger other less desirable consequences than we might expect, such as like octopuses invading London or something. Right. Uh, but, but at any rate, um, this idea that the, that, um, there's a protocol of accessing the website. Again, this is what we were talking about before. There's the protocol of accessing the website, and then there are the protocols of what happened at the bank. And of course, uh, Rask and Bauer have that conversation of like, did you talk to Metzger? Right. And it's like, is Metzger real? What? And he's like, whenever you go to the bank, you talk to Metzger. That's a protocol. Right. It's like there's a secret protocol that I know about and I'm testing your knowledge of the secret protocol. And Jack has to determine whether this or has to guess whether the secret protocol is real or fake secret, secret protocol. And he guesses fake and he turns out to be right and all that other stuff. Right. Like, and there's um, an awesome moment there that I, I don't know if you picked up on this where there's this really cool moment where right after that um, and, and Rask kind of he guesses right. But then Rask says, no, you were wrong and tries yes. to get him to like recant. Yeah. And then um, and then Jack sticks with it. And Rask then like breaks and says, "Oh man, he didn't even he didn't even break a sweat or something like yeah, that." And, yeah. And there's this, but as he's saying that, there's this just very like really subtle like flinch, like a shudder that um that Jack does, where he, like and, and it's like and and, and uh, Kiefer Sutherland has this kind of um really subtle thing that he does, um and I think he's done it more as um in each season as Jack's gotten a little older or in the seasons, uh, you know, later in seasons, it happens more or it, it you know, it happens when he becomes weaponized yeah. <laughs> when his internal organs uh, are chemical weapons. Yes. Uh, and it's this, and this, it's this like kind of flinch or it's like a, it's almost like a tick. Um, and, and you see, I, I saw like, I saw like a half second of that, which is, was really, I mean, maybe it, maybe it's nothing, but it felt to me like, you know, that, you know, in fact, there was a a little micro protocol that ran that was like this Jack shutter of like, in fact, you know, he was sweating, but it wasn't where what Rask was looking for. Yeah, um, like this and, is how this is how Jack kind of processes his compartmentalization of his emotions. Yes, yeah, yes, it's, it's like he has to sort of in, he has to dump it, he has to dump the k the cache at times and just be like, yes. Ugh. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, again, it comes back to kind of clearing out like, you know, you have only so much RAM, right? Yeah. And so you have to have ways to um, to kind of clear that out to keep operating. And I saw Kate do this as well near the end after she, I think she's like once she after she stabs, she gets a gun back and there's like a I think she's shooting a bit and there's like a flurry of action and then a moment of quiet. And she kind of also kind of like kind of and it's it's bigger than than Jack's. But you, I see it's also another one of these case dumps. Beans. Yeah, I think that Jack does this sort of thing more frequently. One of the things that I think Kiefer Sutherland has done, whether it's conscious or not, A, doesn't matter, B, I don't know, but as he's had more lines on his face, he's used them to greater effect in playing Jack Bauer. Uh, and the, the lines, there were a couple of scenes in this episode where, like, the lines on his face were really apparent, particularly yeah. when he was talking about his history and, like, what he's been doing and what's been going on, um, either to Mark or to Kate. Um, yeah. And it's just like he sort of – he's like look at – it's sort of like he, he, you think that he's going to hide everything from you because, you know, he's the sort of – we're not going to break him. We're not going to get them to talk. Like he's a very – he's a secret agent, you know. <laughs> it's Secret agents keep secrets. But he wears a lot of his – a lot more of his heart on his sleeve than he might let on at first or that like you might guess based on <clears throat> his performance at these sorts of things. Yeah, um, definitely. I need some more soy latte. Yeah, or – um you know, I you know maybe like around the hour break, I I can fill up um our water bottles too. I oh think yeah, sure. We, we, have, we have to stay hydrated. I mean, we have a lot of caffeine, yeah. um, so we don't want to you know we don't want to dry ourselves out. Um, I have a so- I, think the- I have a soda stream, Ryan. You can use the soda stream, and you can make us a couple of seltzers. Okay, that sounds that sounds okay. great. Just don't put too much seltzer into it. You can tell it's going to make like a, a a noise. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so at some point, you know, I don't know, probably you know in less than an hour. Uh, you'll use the soda stream, and when you do, there'll be certain noises that are made by it. Is this what I'm saying? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I will, I'll, I will initiate the soda stream, soda stream protocol. So, 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 okay. So, he, here's the interesting, the really interesting um, layering that happens around this. If you see the central protocol being the bank, because um, what what is the information on the website but a series of meetings and transactions, right? And that's what that's why they pick a bank for this, right? Is that a bank is where people conduct business and like where people get tracked and everything that you do is is you know transacted and and there's records and all this other stuff, right? Like there's vaults where these things are held and secret. Uh, there's agents and all this other kind of stuff. So uh, the bank holds the relationship, the secret to the relationship between Rask and Al-Harazi. And it's really interesting how, um, you know, first there's the protocol of the website that he has to access. And then within that, you can read the chart that shows you all the different transactions. And then within that, you have to find the cell phone number that's on one of the calls. And then you have to go and you have to map that. On uh, London, you have to find it, right? You have to find where it's going and how it's moving. There's a protocol to tracing a cell phone. And then, of course, where does it lead you? But I love that it leads you to the cell phone of Mar- of uh, Simone Al-Harazi right after she's hit by the bus. Yep. So yeah, and it's exactly. there's there's this just because it's we um, if you if you studied uh, you know I'm sure Matt has talked with you about this on uh, the TFT because uh, you you and Matt have talked for over a hundred episodes on the the TFT podcast which is also a podcast feed available on iTunes totally recommend you all subscribe to it if you like music or if you liked Gossip Girl and, and uh, Glee back when they were on the air slash good and you can read or it. if you like me <laughs> or if you like Ryan and you like Ryan I did one guest episode it was great but if you like Ryan you should you should subscribe to that podcast perhaps. Um, Matt has talked to you about kind of the aesthetic value in the sort of new critical close reading and analysis of yes. of like ambiguities, right? And sort of trying like ambiguities that strain towards a unity, right? Yes. Where there's sort of a conflict, but the conflict has some framework within the literature of resolving, right? To a singularity of some kind, a unity of some kind. Uh, and so, and the, the, one of the arguments here uh, that I, I think I think of when I think of this kind of way of thinking about art is that art is capable of articulating these sorts of unities out of ambiguities, and logic is not capable of it because it often requires us to sort of leave aside uh, rules of reasoning such as exclusion principles and A equals A and all that stuff. And this is this is true about culture and experience, but not true of sort of empiricism, empirical heuristics, right? right? Where like two different things don't suddenly come together and mean the same thing while also meaning different things. So. In this case, a great this is a great example of of like a new critical unity. The moment where 
the 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 layers and layers of protocols and being disrupt and protocols being disrupted and protocols being enacted that are all being pursued by all the major players in the warehouse coincides with like the personal and emotional protocols that are instead of being enacted are i mean there's there's protocols that are being enacted sort of despite the efforts of the people who want to do them right like simone the protocols for simone are not go and find this woman and kill her. I mean, that's one protocol, I guess. You could describe it as such. Certainly, that's her mom's protocol. Her protocol is the involuntary or semi-voluntary emotional protocol of, I can't kill these people because they're totally innocent, right? And because they remind me of my dead uh, husband, right? Like, and I like stuff. them more than my dead husband. Indeed, I like them more than my dead With husband. PhD in Wing Commander. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um because yeah because uh and also she the doctor said she grew two inches this year um <laughs> which i mean come on it's a, it's amazing i love it i love it i love 24 and i love how it's just so shameless about ratcheting like look this girl's gonna have two lines and then they're gonna try to murder her we need to make her unmurderable in two lines what lines does she say how about the doctor said i grew two inches this year <laughs> Well, also, the, um, the the two inches really helped her sprinting speed. Yeah. She's like really just explosive out of the block. Oh, and yeah. A year ago, she would not have been with, with her shorter – it was all leg growth. She's she's growing. Then Simone's like – when Simone says, oh, you've grown, she's like, oh, I won't be able to catch her. <laughs> <laughs> but just it's really cool that there's like the profound the, – the both the sort of uh, – it, it's – it's not even sort of on a rubric of success or failure, on a framework of success or failure. It's like a, a – it's almost a catharsis. It's a, it's a tragic catharsis of Simone's conflicting internal yes. protocols. Yes. And, and, like, and this catharsis happens when f- cruel fate intervenes and runs her down with like the, the double-decker London bus. Yeah. Well, I actually um, want to just mention this um, that – and, and I, I would love – it seems like we have a few um, – UK based fans uh in our in our comments um and uh and and maybe some even who are um like at least watching some I know Margot uh, who was uh, who's been commenting on a lot of the episodes um mentioned that um Baruz's from season 4's doomed girlfriend was Blair Waldorf was the actress um Leighton Meester who played uh the character Blair Waldorf on Gossip Girl so we may have some People who, if they have not listened to TFT, um, are familiar with some of the TFT properties. But this kind of a major character um, getting hit by a um, a bus was a, is a major uh, climactic. Uh, so spoilers for the UK series Skins. And so Skins is a um, a British uh, teen uh, soap opera that Matt and I talked about um, uh, a few a few summers ago. Um, Gentry's and th- on that, right? Gendry, What's that? Gendry from Game of Thrones was on that show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Gendry is on that, and also um, Gilly is oh. uh, was was on that show. Okay. Um, actually, I really it's especially um, the first uh, series is great, but there's a um, a really um, in the, near the the climactic moment of the. Um, of the first season is that the main character uh, Tony um, uh, gets hit by a bus. Oh wow! Um, and and in a very in a similar kind of way, and he's in um, I believe they're in um, in Brighton, if I'm not mistaken. But I found there to be um, I mean, just the specifically getting hit. Or maybe he gets hit by a truck, but the the getting hit by a um, large vehicle I found also to be a um, a slight. Um, nod to to that um, to to that um, that moment as well, um, and so yeah, no, it is a bus. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a bus, and um, and it, and he and this actually happens at a moment of being kind of internally conflicted of uh, about several kind of social machinations and kind of infidelities that he has um, that he has kind of put in motion, and and there's a similar kind of catharsis, you know, by by bus. Um, and so like it both plays a similar kind of role, and I just felt it felt very uh, similar uh, similar. So it's you know we I know um, um, that you know that there's been discussion elsewhere on overthinking it um, with um, British correspondent um, uh, Tim Swan, uh, who you know talked about you know that in the first episode there weren't ways in which there was something particularly Londony about this, and you know obviously she gets hit by a, I believe like you said is a double decker bus, and so that itself feels 
you know, it gives it a sense of place. But then it, that relationship, we're starting to see more and more uh, interesting connections to um, – um, to broader British pop culture yeah. and these kind of meta casting moves and these meta textual moves that I think that are starting to, as, as the season goes forward, we'll start to see the, um, you know, the, the, um, Britishness is, um, it will will become more apparent uh, as as it goes forward. Yeah, this and, is the episode where MI5 that we've been talking about yeah. like nonstop since the first episode finally shows up, and boy are they effective! Uh, like, yeah, boy, those they, are some crack shots right there. Yeah, they're they're effective at fucking everything up completely. <laughs> Do they? They all die, right? Like I think all so. of them are killed. <laughs> Yeah. It's like a giant squad of like twenty dudes or whatever. Maybe it's not that many, but it's like they. I just remember during that whole gunfight, so many people were getting killed in that gunfight, just yeah. like really abruptly. Like it felt like more than usual. Like people just getting dropped, just left and right, right. In the sense that like Jack Bauer's in the middle of it, and everybody is just falling. Right. And like the whole police office, it doesn't happen that often that like all of the law enforcement officers are all just getting gunned down like one by one. Well, um, like luckily they're, they're just, they're from a different jurisdiction, right? Yeah, like yeah. in some ways that's like what that can happen when you have, you know, there's often a lot of kind of different kinds of, um, jurisdictional conflicts in 24. And I think we have not, this, we haven't even yet seen the, episode about like turf and about um about jurisdiction mm-hmm. um but like you know that in in previous seasons there's always kind of conflicts between what it's like fbi and and ctu uh, and 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 uh, and or you know a different regional office you know yeah. different people coming in and taking over the operation yeah um and you know one thing that that does in addition to kind of creating opportunities for some of these kind of conflicting protocols and some of what we've been talking about in this episode i mean just at a certain point there is a set there are are people who are involved in the action who can just get totally gunned down because they're not they're, they're extraneous uh, and they and it's, in fact it's having the extra protocols um you know makes them it both, you know, it, it within, you know, narratively, you know, within the text put, makes them vulnerable um, because they don't actually know what's actually happening. Yeah. Um, but then it also that, you know, it also creates the space to like, yeah, like these guys, we, we don't know them, so they can all die. Yeah. Well, I mean, even on top of that, there's a there's a question that's been hanging over this season. It's not the most important question, but it's the question of are the British going to be portrayed as competent? Because so often on uh, 24 in particular, the, uh, the, the CTU, right? Whoever, whoever the protagonists are and then whoever the sort of antagonists are, there are secondary protagonists and there are secondary antagonists, but they are rarely that good, right? Like it's like, oh, we really need Jack Bauer because everyone else is screwing it up. And also this idea that like, oh, well, is England going to be portrayed or is, you know, the UK going to be portrayed as a, as a global power? That can uh, affect its own business, uh, right. and I'm I'm starting to think that the the reason why the UK isn't even in the first three episodes of this show, right? Like, not they're not even really mentioned other than Stephen Fry showing up in that Parliament thing. Like, like as Tim Swan had said, like there's no reason why this has to happen in London. Nothing that has anything to do with London is that maybe over the course of the season we'll see that rise. We'll see and the threat will be like, "Hey, you know how you like to think of London as England and the UK as this like sort of separate pet thing that America has like subjugated and done is yeah. sort of a docile buddy friend that does everything we want?" Uh well, it's a little bit more complicated than that and there are other powerful people in the world. I mean, um, it would actually be really funny if it um turns out to be so what that actually reminds me of uh, and I can't believe I hadn't thought it until, until you know, um, till just now, till this hour of our um, of our real time recap. That the um, I don't know if you've ever seen the twenty uh, the South Park parody of Twenty Four, um, and in that parody where where Cartman is the Jack Bauer character, um, the big bad in that episode is um, is 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 Great Britain, right? Oh. And, and they sort of say like where right, they they really 
really hit all of the the tropes really well and they say like you know we're not even we're working for someone else uh like america's oldest enemy and then it's like a smash cut to like you know queen elizabeth yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and and like the british and it's like the or i think it's the smash cut to like the um like the british like royal navy sailing in like old-timey revolutionary war ships towards america (laughs) and that the like nuclear weapon in hillary clinton's vagina is just a distraction (laughs) for the british reinvasion of america (laughs) i've actually seen i've you know you talk about the that's i remember this now i remember the the snook it's about the snook (laughs) indeed indeed oh boy oh well, I think we're hitting the hour mark, right? I think it's and we have protocols. Some... I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun because this is, I feel like, the first episode that we've really had that we're going to get to end in our protocol because uh, yeah. we haven't ended any of our episodes in the proper protocol for ending an episode of overthinking at anything. Um, and I mean, I don't know. Do you, I mean, can we do it? Should we do it? Is it possible? Um, or is this protocol something that we need to like no, discard? I, I think let's do it. All right. Uh, well, um, I guess not every episode needs a crazy cliffhanger. Some of them get, if, if they can't all be surprising because oh, then the ones that are surprising won't be surprising. So please, if you like this episode, subscribe to our podcast feed. We're on overthinking it TV recaps where you can get community game of Thrones. We did a mad men recap for this season. We do Downton Abbey whenever it's around. We did breaking bad. We'll do other shows. It'll be awesome. We love to be that second screen for you. Uh, when you're watching your favorite shows on TV, we have a YouTube channel where you can see some of our recaps live on video game of Thrones. We do on video this one's audio only because we have because of protocols uh but yeah very sensitive protocols. very sensitive protocols um but yeah and uh if you like content you know videos and 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 infographics and analysis and festive and and spirited forum discussions of a positive and not particularly flame nature we encourage you to come and visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't. <laughs>